Good morning. You know, over the years, people have confessed to me that when they first met me, they were afraid. I guess I have an angry, listening face, and I stare into people's souls. Um, but I'd like to share, hopefully that's not my impression of you, or that's <laughs> not your impression of me, the first thing, but knowing that about me, I'd like to share with you a secret. And my secret is that I'm a fearful person. I'm prone to anxiety. And yet, I have seen, by His grace, God sharing the gospel through me. Today, I would like to share with you three truths that help us continue sharing the gospel. Why is this important to keep in mind? Well, when I was working at UCR, and there's a lot of other uh, ministries that do the same thing in the Navigators, but we give, a, we give something away in an exchange for you hearing the gospel. We had 500 water bottles. We handed them out. Um, and you see the student leaders with us get excited, even though they're afraid to share. Uh, but after a while, the excitement wears off. And the people that end up sharing the gospel after that are those who have developed convictions because of God's word. So when the emotion fades, what is it that we're left holding on to? Hopefully, it's God's lasting word. That's why today I want to share with you three truths that keep us sharing the gospel. But first, I'd like to introduce to you my staff team. So from right to left, we have Kevin, we have Antonio, Don Allen, we have Graham, and Tamazin, they just got married, and myself. The one in the middle, Don Allen, he is my spiritual great-grandfather. So he led someone to Christ, who led someone to Christ, who led me to Christ. And now we get to labor together, which is pretty fun. Uh, but the first truth that helps us continue to share the gospel is this. We are not alone. God is with us. So this is the uh, Great Commission that you're all familiar with. So I just want to focus on uh, the last part right here in the, in the last verse of 20. It says, And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What does he mean by, I am with you? Well, obviously we know that through the Holy Spirit, he is present with us. But I think he's saying something else here as well. In the way that you're with your friends, hey, I am with you. In the sense that you approve. In the sense that you are for them. And what would God be for us in? He is for us in obeying his great commission. In the sense that he is helping with this. He gives us the command, and he helps. We're not alone. Okay, so uh, two weeks ago, actually, 11.30 at night, I'm eating at an In-N-Out across the street from UC Irvine. Don't tell me why I was there that late. Um, when I, I feel a push on my shoulder, and I hear this, Khabib! And I look over, and I see this Iranian sophomore university student 
uh, with a mop top, which I thought was odd, and a bowling cap with bloodshot eyes. And he says, Khabib, Managamirov. And I thought, he thinks I should know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, and he's surrounded by five of his friends, two Iranians, an Asian, a uh, half black, and, and a white uh, student. And I'm thinking, what is even happening right now? Anyways, they, they thought that I was um, Arab. And they started asking me about the fight. Khabib Managamedov versus uh, Conor McGregor. Because uh, there was a big fiasco with it, and they actually didn't give the one who won the fight the belt. Anyways, they were celebrating and commiserating over this event. And they thought it was Arab. They thought that I would want to commiserate with them as well. Now, I, what I didn't tell you is all of them are in various states of drunkenness. <laughs> and so I just thought it was very strange. They sought me out, and it was like they were, they were there with me. And for some reason, I had their attention. They wanted to stay around me. They wanted to just keep asking me questions. And God gave me a hearing. So you know what I did? I shared my 60-second testimony with them. And I'm going to share it with you. Before college, I was a religious chameleon. I would pretend to believe whatever people said, whether it was God or philosophy. And I had addictions that I would use to escape from reality, which gave me a false sense of love and left me empty inside. But one day in college, these two guys came up to me and asked me if I wanted to read the Bible with them. Hesitantly, I said yes. But I'm so glad that I did, because I learned that Jesus Christ died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. That he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. Now this wasn't the first time that I heard this, but it was the first time I actually believed it. And within two years, I gave my life to Jesus and made him my king, my boss. And now, I have firm, my faith is fixed. And I have firm convictions for what I believe. I no longer try to satisfy myself through addiction. But, I experience true fulfillment when I trust in the unfailing love of God. And so my question to you is this. Is there anything standing in the way for you receiving the forgiveness of your sins and making Jesus the king of your life? Well, I can tell you that uh, those guys gave me a hearing, and they got to hear clearly the gospel that day. And we shook hands. It was kind of a, a fun experience. And then I, I referred them to the UC Irvine director uh, for the Navigators. But what was interesting is that sometimes, maybe you guys experience this, where you're not looking for an opportunity to share, but that opportunity comes looking for you. And that's what happened to me that night, two weeks ago. Well, before you can make disciples of the king, you first need to have a messenger to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But the cool thing is this. Jesus promises his presence to be with us in the whole process from beginning to end. God is with us. He is for us and he approves. And not only is he with us, he has given us one another. And this is one thing that I have learned doing campus ministry for 12 years, is that there's a lot more 
fear that gets put down when you have a friend to do things with you. So when I'm teaching students, how, how do, hey, how do you share the gospel? What I'll do is I'll say, hey, Dean, I'm going to go share the gospel on campus. Come with me. You don't have to say anything. Just stand here next to me because it'll give me courage. Stand here next to me. You don't have to say anything. And eventually, after a few times, maybe you can share. It's been something that's been really helpful for students, actually. Uh, Jesus sent people out two by two. I find it sad that the only people who are taking his advice are the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness. And yet, sometimes we don't want to be associated with those people, so why would we go and do the same thing they do? But that's God's, that's God's thing. You know? So sometimes I think, you know, we, we need to get over that, and we need to just invite a brother, and this is what it looks like. I feel like I should share the gospel with my neighbor. I just, I just feel like that. I have a burden, I have a passion for this guy, but I'm scared. Let me call up my brother at church. Hey, I need to go over to my friend's house, and I just need to, I just need to be around him. I don't know if I'm going to share the gospel or not, but I just need someone. Can you come with me just to relate with him? And maybe God will open a door for us to share. I, I tell you, it, it, it helps with this anxiety. It helps with this fear. So, um, we are not alone. God is with us. But even more, he has given us one another. And that leads me to the second truth. The second truth is this, that we don't save. God is the one who saves. So, here is the, the, the passage that um, the brother was able to share with us. And this has been something that has shown to me over, over the years as being in campus ministry. It is God who gives the growth. It is God who gives the growth. So three, when was this? A month ago. One month ago, I decided, hey, we, we just need to be on the campus, and we need to be recruiting students. Okay, so my team's like, okay, what are we going to do? Let's set up a table, and let's invite them to our large group meeting on Wednesday, and then they can uh, come by, and uh, maybe we'll have a chance to build a relationship with them. Sound good? Okay. Now we get there, and I think, why don't we just share the gospel with people? And so that's what we did. I walked up to this couple that was walking by, and I said, hey, are you interested in hearing the main message of the Bible? And the woman said, no, I'm good. And as she was walking away, I said, what is your definition of good? And as I was saying that, Alan from behind, says, actually, I'd like to hear the gospel, or I'd like to hear the main message of the Bible. And I was like, really? All right, well, come over here, and I'll share it with you. So the first week that we started doing this, it was um, Alan told us that he had been thinking about Christianity, but he had been an atheist for a year and a half. The second week, he came and shared with us a little bit more of his story, and we shared the gospel with him again, and he said, you know, here's the thing, is I want to believe, I just don't. It sounds really nice, I want to, but I, I just don't. Okay, that's fair. Comes back the third week, he's sharing with another intern of mine, that they're, they're, they're talking about things in the Bible, 
And he stops a mid-conversation and says, oh my God, I believe in Jesus. We're like, what? So we all start talking in the conversation, and he says, yeah, I, I believe. Like, I think, I want this. And I start to talk him out of it. I'm like, look, Alan, I know, you, I know you're saying that you want to do this, but I have to warn you, like, I have to be real with you. Like, I don't want this just to be an emotional experience that you're having. Like, you have to understand, like, when, you, when you're a non-believer, you have one enemy, and that's God. When you believe in Jesus and become a friend of God, you have the world, the flesh, and the devil coming after you. You have to understand you have more enemies. Is that something that you can understand? And so eventually, we end up talking, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, if you want to receive this, then let's do it. So he ended up receiving Christ about a week and a half ago. I uh, got to meet up with him recently, and he is like, God is doing something because he is really interested in getting into the scriptures, which is very rare. But again, it's not us who saves. God is the one who saves. Okay, that's the next one. Um, this is just the one thing that I've really, really appreciated over the years. Uh, one of the things that God's showing me is this thought that he is the one that's doing the saving. John 6, 63 has been a scripture that's been very, very important to me. Uh, it's something that I continue to see God working out in my life. And it says that the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. And I've seen that happen on campus all over the place. The spirit is giving people life. Uh, another one is John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And what's cool is I get to see that firsthand. Uh, so we don't save. God is the one who saves. We're called to be faithful to share. But the results, they're not up to us. This is the third one for me. We never fail when rejected. Did you know that? That's been my experience. It's not a failure if someone doesn't receive the gospel, even though you share it. Let me tell you why. To the right, you have Bianca. Now, me and another student were going out at UC Riverside four years ago. And the student said, I think I know where we need to go. Okay, God, lead us to the one that needs to hear the gospel today. Okay, let's go. We find Bianca sitting on a bench. She never sits there. She took her lunch to go this time. She never does that. And she's sitting there, and we get to share the gospel with her. And she says, I can't believe you're sharing this with me. Why is that? Because last night, I couldn't sleep. And I believed, I was thinking, I need to be forgiven for my sins. Really? Okay, here's a Bible. Read the book of John. And if you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is by the end of it, then I don't know what to tell you. She reads it in two days, not the whole Bible, just the book of John in two days, and she says, uh, she meets up with another staff woman, she ends up receiving Jesus, being baptized, discipled, and she's still walking with Jesus today. Now, I told you that story to tell you this story, that six months prior to that day, she heard the gospel, 
she was at another Christian meeting. And she heard the gospel clearly, and she clearly rejected it. She didn't want anything to do with it. She was running away from some things in her life, and she didn't want, to, she didn't want it. And yet, six months later, she's ready. So that's what I put in my mind. I put that in my mind. That even if someone rejects the gospel, it's worth sharing. Why? Because six months later, it could be their day when they're ready. And someone else will come along and, and get to see, uh, be encouraged by what happens. So this is the, so there's, there's two goods that I see coming from this. We never fail when we share the gospel. And God will use it for a good reason. God will use it for good. One thing that God uses it for good, um, I will say in the, in, the case of, in the case of Bianca, you share it, maybe down the line, someone's going to believe the gospel. So that's the first good. It's always a good idea to share. Why? Because you never know in six months someone could, could receive. The second one is, very clearly, the scriptures say here, receive wages according to the labor of each. And then this is another one from the Sermon on the Mount. It says, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Really? Okay, rejoice and be glad. People are reviling you. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. Now, there are certain things that are revealed in Scripture and certain things that are left a mystery. What we have from Scripture is that if you suffer any sort of persecution for the name of Jesus, that there will be great reward. It just doesn't tell us what that reward necessarily is. That's the certainty, though. So this is part of the truth, the third truth, that helps me continue to share the gospel. Because I know that my Savior has said there's going to be a reward. Um, so, you want to know how I share the gospel with people? Okay. <laughs> you can go for it. So in the beginning, God created uh, men and women to be in perfect relationship with each other, uh, and it was perfect. There was no war, there was no strife, and it was, it was perfection. Uh, but men and women decided to rebel against God, um, to kind of throw off his authority, and to kind of call their own shots. And therefore, uh, there's this big separation and divide between us and God now. Uh, so there's a verse in the Bible that really captures this well. It says, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you can kind of think of this message as really horrible news followed by really good news. So uh, the horrible news, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, when you hear the word wages, what kind of comes to mind to you? Something. Uh, so wages is something kind of like that you earn. It's uh, like the, if you worked a job, it's like the payment that you receive as a result of the work that you put in. Uh, I'd maybe give an example of like working at the bookstore or something. But the, the problem in this situation is that the work that we put in is sin. 
and uh, so sin. I think growing up, I used to just think it was like murder and rape, but but sin is anything that disobeys God. So sin is anything that usually even the stuff that like we don't that people don't see that we only know we know about is the lying, cheating, lust, anger, envy, pornography, these different things. And what's really sobering is that it actually is offensive and hostile to God. So much so that the consequences of our sin against God is death. And death is not just a, a physical death, but a spiritual death where God's wrath is actually upon people because, uh, because people sin against God. And so this, this condition is uh, universal. It's, it, it, this situation is, it doesn't matter whether you're white, black, old, young, like born in Iraq, born in America, like this situation is universal for all people. But, kind of transition to the good news, is that God desires to give the free gift of eternal life. Um, so gift is just something you can't earn, it's something freely given to you. And eternal life is, you know, not just some nice place in the clouds, but this restored relationship with God that starts now and lasts forever, even after we die. We be with God forever in heaven. Uh, but the, the problem is that still sin is what creates this hostility uh, between us and God. Uh, so in your opinion, in your current philosophy, how do you think one would get from this side to this side? Um, and you'll probably get a, a, a range of answers of like, do better, go to church, blah, 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 stop doing stuff, stop doing sin. Uh, so then I usually talk about like, yeah, so if you were to take all the other philosophies or religions in the world um, and their underlying tenets uh, that are that's not Jesus or Christianity. You get some kind of system of like, if you're good, outweigh your bad, then like maybe you'll make it on the last day of judgment. Um, so anything from like uh, doing good things to getting good grades to not going to jail to giving to the poor, which are not bad things in themselves, but the metaphor is like, if I were to commit murder and I went before a judge, and um, I was like, judge, I know I committed murder, but I'm also nice to my friends, I give to the poor, I've never done this before, like all these different things, he would be like, like that, that makes no difference, like your crimes still have to be punished. So that's why all of these attempts to work our way to God morally are fail. Um, so basically a summary is like our situation is hopeless, there's no way that we can get to God on our own spiritual merit or anything like that. Uh, and this is kind of the climax of the story, is that God saw this hopeless situation and because he loved people so much that he sent Jesus to bridge this gap. Um, and a little bio about Jesus is that Jesus was is God in the flesh, God in human form. Uh, he came to earth um, and he was a powerful miracle worker. He raised the dead, healed the sick, walked on water. Uh, but he was also a powerful teacher, taught people to love God, love people. Um, and his big claim was that he came to save the world. Um, and his most offensive and radical claim, though, was that only through believing in him could men and women receive this free gift of eternal life. Um, and because of that, they killed him. Um, and I'm sure that you've, you've, seen, you've seen the cross before. Um, so, but the, the weird thing is that, like, how does one who claimed to be God, like, die, right? That doesn't really make sense. But the awesome part is that when, this was all part of God's plan, because when Jesus died on the cross, it said that he took upon himself 
all of the consequences, all the things that we've earned for our wrongs against God so that we could have forgiveness of sins. So you can think of it as like we are here, God's here, God's wrath is on us, we hate God. Jesus stepped in and took the punishment upon himself for people. Um, and Jesus didn't stay dead. It says that three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was God. Um, and so the awesome thing about this is that um, th this is not just like a nice historical message or anything, but Jesus says that anybody who comes to him uh, can receive this free gift of eternal life. Um, not based on our own merit or anything like that, but based on God's offered kindness to those who deserve his wrath. It's called grace. And so my question to you is, in light of this situation, is there anything that would prevent you from receiving Jesus' forgiveness and uh, receiving him as the king of your life? So, I'd like to challenge you today. If you'd like to learn how to do that uh, illustration, or if you'd like to develop your 60-second testimony, let me know. Because I have found those tools to be very helpful. It's not a matter of the tool that you use, because we know God saves. But you do need something. You do need to be able to communicate, like Paul says, clearly and boldly. And so, here's uh, a few things. Remind yourself of God's truth often. I would suggest memorizing the scriptures. Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10, John 5.24, 1 Peter 3.18. These are good summaries of the gospel that you should have just so that you could know them for yourself or share them whenever you, whenever you want. Develop a one to two minute testimony I won't go too far into this because of time, but essentially, here's the thing. If you're going to share your testimony of how you came to faith in Christ, what would be very good for you is if you include the story of Christ inside your testimony. I would, I would kind of lead away from just saying, this is when I believed in Jesus, and tell them what it was you believed about Jesus. So that as you're telling your story, they actually hear the gospel. And so those elements, that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, that he, he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. Some of the elements that you can include right in the middle of your story. I would say learn a simple gospel illustration that communicates the basic element of the gospel. It doesn't have to be... You know, there's, there's lots of them out there. Romans Road... Three circles, four spiritual laws, bridge illustration. There's so many. And yet God will use your faithfulness if you share, if you learn one of them. And here's another thing. Here's the last one. Invite a brother or sister to be with you when you go and share. Just, just to be there. Just to give you courage. And if things go bad, you have someone to help you, to console you afterward. And to remind you, hey, there's great reward. Let me pray.